The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, myself and Bully Ray break down Monday Night Raw. We get into Cody and who's next for Cody Rhodes. Also, the showdown between LA Knight and The Miz. Who won on Monday Night Raw? And then Shayna Baszler. We go back to the fight that Shayna had with Ronda Rousey. And who better to analyze than Little Guido? All that right now on the Busted Open Podcast. So now we know what's next for your world heavyweight champion, Seth Rollins. What's next for Cody? And It's interesting because Seth is your world heavyweight champion, but to me, I think what's next for Cody is bigger than what's next for Seth. I think the story of Cody on Monday Night Raw to me is bigger than that world heavyweight champion. What do you think about that? And what do you think might be next in the chapter that is the journey for Cody? Well, you just said that the idea is bigger. What is the idea? No, I said... To me, what's next for Cody is bigger than what's next for the World Heavyweight Championship. To me, when I watch Monday Night Raw, the journey and the story of Cody and him going back to WrestleMania 40 is bigger than the World Heavyweight Championship that's on Monday Night Raw. Without a doubt. it's the Within the entire company, I believe it is the Cody story right now yes. and Cody's journey there. Do I know, is he going to have a definitive feud a la what he just got out of with Brock Lesnar. I don't see anything like that. Maybe the judgment day, maybe Seth being peppered back in. Listen, Seth, Cody has defeated Seth three times, but Seth can always turn around and go, you're right, Cody. You beat me three times. And you beat you beat me at WrestleMania on your return. You beat me in the rematch. And you beat me in Hell in a Cell with a torn peck. With a torn freaking peck, which rhymes with broken freaking neck. Um, but you never beat me for this championship. They could go down that road. I mean, that's, that would be pretty big for the Raw brand. And as much as I don't want to see Cody associated with that championship, if Cody were to win that championship and go into WrestleMania against Roman, 
with that championship and against Roman championships. I mean, okay, I guess fine. It, but it's it's better than Cody winning that championship and then ending the story there. Maybe something with the Judgment Day. Other than that, who else on Raw poses a real threat to Cody Rhodes? I, you know what? I'm not even going to just, like, put it on Raw because now we saw, like, with LA Knight going to Raw last night, though he's a SmackDown wrestler, I think he could throw the draft and all that shit right out the window, especially when it comes to this. Um, I, I really don't have an answer because to me, unless there's a story that's fit, that fits, it feels like it's just going to be filler till we get to the Royal Rumble. Like, I really don't know. There is one guy out there that there is a real life story with that could be the final hurdle for Cody before he gets to Roman, and oh my God, what a story it would be. All right, hit me with it. Think about it. I'm not just going to tell you the answer. There's one guy there who can get involved with Cody in a story. Now, I, I might be giving it away right now, but I'm not sure how the match would go down. But there's one guy there with a very real-life story who could be harboring a massive amount of resentment for Cody, who can present himself as a bigger heel challenger than even Brock Lesnar. Who? Triple H. I mean, that would be fantastic. It all depends on whether Triple H is healthy enough and ready enough to step back into the ring and have a series of matches, or maybe even just one match. with Cody. One match. It's not one a series match. of matches. It's one match. It's one blow-off. It tells the story about the throne. It tells the story about, remember when Cody was all down and dejected that one night in the locker room, and Hunter tried to talk to him? He's like, don't worry about it, kid. You know, you'll bounce back from this and blah, blah, blah. And Cody was a little bit like flippant, like he didn't want to hear from Triple H right then and there. And Hunter just smirked and put his hand on, it was either on, on Cody's shoulder or on his knee, and he just had a smirk. And that smirk told me, oh, boy. Hunter's getting in his head. Cody versus Hunter. Like I said, I don't know what that match can look like because of Hunter's uh, physically. I don't. Yeah, I don't know with, with the heart it, situation. I don't know if it, what he can do. And I think the last time Triple H has been in the ring is it WrestleMania 35? It's close to five years ago now. But if you do a street fight or one of those type of matches, which Hunter basically books himself in all the time. You can walk it and talk it for 10 minutes where you don't have to put so much in exertion. And if the story is built up, it makes the match actually very easy to do. But would you be into that? Would you be into Hunter trying to be... Hunter basically becomes Palpatine in this situation where... He's telling Cody everything he wants to hear. And you think Cody's his best friend, but in reality, he's stirring him up so bad just to, you know, because Hunter wants him out of there. It well, was listen. Vince, you know, it was Vince who wanted you here, not me. You destroyed my throne. 
Well, listen, I mean, they have gone down. I mean, Cody has referenced AEW and what he did outside. The documentary that's on Peacock, they definitely talk about his time away and the, and the time he was in AEW. If they wanted to go that direction, like, you know, Triple H, does, you don't have to mention AEW, but, hey, you left, and then you just felt you can walk right in and just have this door open to you to walk through to get this WWE Undisputed Universal Championship with all the damage. Hey, listen, it's not going to be that easy. You went through Brock, now you got to go through me. Because, and then imagine when Cody does beat Triple H, just like Brock, Triple H extends that hand and shakes his hand. I mean, that that's big stuff right there. Yeah, You beat Seth three times. You took time off because of the injury. You came back. You beat Brock. You beat Hunter, and now you're going on to Roman. I mean, you want to talk about the rocket being strapped to your back. Well, think about the things he's accomplished. He's won the Royal Rumble. He's main evented WrestleMania. He had three matches against Seth Rollins, which he won all three. I mean, his his re-debut in the WWE was against Seth Rollins at WrestleMania, for crying out loud. Like, you, he, he he's checked all the boxes. And then... This past weekend, he gets the ultimate sign of respect from Brock Lesnar. When has Brock ever done that with anyone where he gets beat clean in the middle of the ring and then he extends extends his hands and shakes that man's hand? Like, Cody, really, if you look at it, in this, what, a little over a year since he's been back with the WWE, has accomplished a lot. This would be the ultimate sign of respect from Triple H. I just don't see anybody currently on the roster who can pose the same threat towards Cody that Brock did. There's, I don't think there is anybody. So now maybe you have to look outside of the roster. And the story with Hunter is there. And I, I think they, I think that they could pull it. And I would be very interested in how that story was told and the end result. Hey everyone, it's Howard Bender from the Andy Up Podcast. Every weekday, Adam Ronis and I serve you up the picks, plays, and fantasy information needed to win your bets. You know, this isn't just your average sports betting show, though, for one very good reason. We won't tell you what to do unless we've already done it ourselves. That's right. We put our money where our mouths are, so we're just as invested in each bet as you are. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts or listen on the SXM app, free for most subscribers. I love the idea of LA Knight and The Miz. It works. It fits. I thought last night was good. I also think that The Miz outshined L.A. Knight last night. Now, I see you shaking your head in the in the yes movement, up and down. Mm -hmm. I'm going to stop right there. Do you agree or disagree? I agree. Mm, very interesting. It was a lot of good from L.A. Knight last night, and we definitely yeah. saw the people behind L.A. Knight last night. Without a doubt. But what are they behind L.A. Knight for? When he speaks, what are they behind? 
There, the catchphrases, the the things that he's saying. Yes, the catchphrases. Let me talk to you. L.A. Night. Yeah. Other than that, that's the sizzle. Where was the steak? I thought we got a little bit of it. He kind of went there but didn't go all the way when he was talking about not getting opportunities, the Miz getting all those opportunities, and then he kind of gave him kudos as well by saying that. But it felt like he was going in a direction that I think I would have liked to hurt more of where, you know, he told more of his story about this isn't the first time that he's been in a WWE ring, but why, but why did it take so long to get these opportunities? He, he kind of dipped his toe in that, but didn't dive in. I wish he would have told the real story of where he's been. I wish he would have brought up other companies' names. Listen, you can get away with that this in this day and age. It doesn't matter anymore. WWE yeah. has won. It's over. And, and by the way, for those who want to hear that, they can listen to the interview that I had with LA Knight that's available on all our uh, social media platforms. So uh, he definitely talked about it. And, you know, and listening to LA Knight, he definitely has a chip on his shoulder. He has something to prove. And I hope they go in that direction full tilt, to your point, Bowie. I would have loved to see L or hear L.A. Knight talk about his real journey and how maybe he blamed everybody else for his shortcomings on that journey in the past 20 years. But what's going on in the WWE right now is very real. And he could have acknowledged all the people because they're behind L.A. Knight now. And that's the only thing I care about. Love me, hate me, chip on my shoulder, ego, arrogance, whatever it is. The 20,000 people here tonight is the only opinion that matters to L.A. Knight. Yeah. I thought The Miz put it in the next shifted into the next gear on LA night last night. And I'm not quite sure LA night shifted quick enough to catch up with the Miz because the Miz's story about what he went through in the WWE. Very true. Thrown into a closet to change. This is where you change Miz every night. When we're, when the, all of the boys are in a locker room, you're in a closet. Normally, it was the closet that held the cleaning supplies and the mops and the brooms and the shovels for the, for the custodians in the arena. That was Miz's dressing room. So I always put over the Miz because he has done one of the most impossible things there is to do in pro wrestling and in the WWE especially. Start at the bottom. Get to the top. Get knocked down to the bottom again. And climb back to the top. I don't, Dave, I can't even explain it. You'd have to live the life of a pro wrestler to fully appreciate how impossible that is to do. To have the, the patience. I, I asked Miz when he, was on, when he was on with us a couple of weeks ago, how the hell did you do it? 
And it's because he looked at every opportunity like another opportunity to get back to the top. Like when that Survivor Series main event bombed, that Rocky, that tag team, what was it, Cena and The Rock versus R-Truth and, and The Miz? And The Miz, yep. Survivor Series. And who did they the blame? Who did they blame? The Miz. There's four guys in the match and you blamed one? Oh, we can't blame The Rock. We can't blame John Cena. Well, who are we going to blame? Well, we got to blame The Miz. Well, who booked the fucking match? You did creative. And you're going to blame him? It would be very easy for The Miz to be so pissed off about that that he would just said, you know what? Screw you people. I'm walking. He took the shot, got knocked down to the bottom of the barrel and worked his way back up. Last night, The Miz was more compelling to me. I liked L.A. Night last night. I loved The Miz last night. Yeah, he, listen. And the in-between, the in-between for L.A. Night is not there right now. When Miz said you're the flavor of the month, or might be the flavor of the next couple months, maybe five months, you don't know how true that is could be i'm not saying it definitely is but that could be very well the truth al snow taught me a lesson in the wwe a long time ago and this is when me and demon were hitting on all cylinders and could do no wrong he said bubba you might be the flavor of the night the flavor of the week the flavor of the month or you might be the flavor of the year but you'll always be the flavor of a certain period of time. It's just the way it is up here. Very few become the flavor of a lifetime for Vince McMahon, i.e. Stone Cold, The Rock, John Cena. I think that LA Knight needs to continue to hone his character. He walks like Stone Cold, he talks like The Rock, and I have no problem with that. And, and, and other wrestlers that do should be reminded of who they borrowed from in the past because we all borrow or blatantly rip off somebody and we just make it work for ourselves. So I have no problem with LA Knight borrowing heavily from The Rock and a little bit from Steve Austin. He's just got to find the in-between so that they're with him the whole time and not just waiting for him to say, L.A. night, and yeah, again. Yeah, it's, it's. first of all, you need a lot of meat on that bone. I think they just scratched the surface last night. But the Miz went in deep. And the Miz, like you said, Bully, went into another gear. There was a lot of angst and anger in the Miz's voice last night. I, I look like, the like almost like for the Miz, like L.A. night stepped up to challenge him. And Miz is going to say, you know what? You are the flavor of the week. But watch what somebody who's been doing this for a long time does to you live on Monday Night Raw. That's how I felt like The Miz did with L.A. Night last night. And listen, dude, The Miz is a first ballot Hall of Famer when it's all said and done. You, know, you look at the last 15 years, he's on that very, very short list. And he's seen it all. He's done it all. I think he taught L.A. Night a little bit of a lesson last night. Like, good job, but not great. You need to come at me a little bit better next time. I agree. That's how I felt. Yeah. Dave, you know how I always talk about the five minutes on the mic 
two, two guys, middle of the ring, no script, five minutes, live sticks. Yes. Tells you everything you need to know. Tells you everything. And last night, Miz got the better of LA Knight. I don't care how it ended with the, the, the thing, the DDT thingy or whatever the hell you call it. That's all written. The words coming out of their mouths, the conviction in which they spoke their lines was light years apart last night. And LA Knight got caught up in that moment with the Miz. He fumbled the word. I think he needed to get himself back on track. You, I saw the gears turning about what am I saying next? How comfortable am I with this verbiage? Am I owning it enough? And I don't think he caught up to Miz last night. Was a good night for him. Yes. They need to build on those. He needs to go back and watch that and say to himself, how do I improve? Because Miz was throwing high heat at, at LA night last night. And LA night was behind, behind the, behind the pitch. And by the and you know what? You got to credit LA night for getting that out of the Miz last night. That's the best I've seen the Miz in a very long time. No, like, LA night did not get that out of the Miz. Creative got that out of the Miz when they booked it because Miz knew what his job was last night. Miz, he, they put Miz out there for a very good reason. And Miz, it's kind of like Kurt Angle. I always talk about Kurt. Kurt's got a different gear in the ring that not a lot of us have. A very small percentage have that sixth gear that Kurt has. That 20 minutes deep, and we're all like, uh, 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 and Kurt decides to just go into Olympic gold medalist gear. And you're like, Jesus, Kurt, slow down. That's a gear that uh, that Miz hit last night. So, gotta find some more. Last night, a lot of sizzle from LA Knight. Not enough steak. The meat of the promo. I didn't feel like I was truly behind his story last night. I was definitely behind Miz's story. And that's the thing. It was weird in the fact that, like, that was a chance for LA Knight to tell his story and to get fans emotionally invested in him. And then the Miz made that left turn where he told his story. And I, and I got immediately emo emotionally invested because I was reminded about the journey the Miz has had to take to get to where he was. So coming out of that, I was thinking more about the Miz and his story than LA Knight. And if LA Knight has any detractors backstage, and I think there's a lot of people on his side, as they should be. But I believe if he has detractors who have real say in his push, they're going to look at last night and go, I told you, he couldn't hang with Miz. I guess it's what you say, Bully. It's all about the follow-up. What do we see next? I mean, for, and that's the thing. Is this going, is now, is LA Knight now going to be on Monday Night Raw? you know, in a feud with The Miz? Like, do you continue this, Bully? Do you think ultimately The Miz could get LA Knight over? Yes, you have to continue it. If you don't continue it, you have subliminally admitted that LA Knight could not hang with The Miz. And we're going to get away from it as soon as possible because we don't want him getting eaten up. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. 
Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. The best part of spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited-time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for $15 a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash busted open. That's mintmobile.com slash busted open. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash busted open. $45 upfront payment required equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factors, no prep, no mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors Fresh Never Frozen Meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. Head to Factormeals.com Busted50 and use code Busted50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code Busted50 at Factormeals.com Busted50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Hey everyone, Jen Piacenti here, host of Sticks and Stacks, the podcast that brings you the very best action from the world of hockey and baseball. Each week, myself, Sean Drotar, and Nate Lundy will bring you our best picks and talk you through the props, bets, and fantasy advice that can help you become the best fantasy manager in your league or even just help you win some money. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts or listen on the SXM app, free for most subscribers. What did you think of the match between Shayna and Ronda at SummerSlam? My fear for that match came to fruition at SummerSlam. Dave, do you remember last week when I was talking about Shayna and Ronda? I said that they would have to work a certain type of style that's very difficult to work, but I wouldn't really go into it before the match because I didn't want to let the cat out of the bag. Yes. Do you happen to know what I was talking about? The physicality? It's a called a worked shoot style. Now, working a worked shoot style properly is not easy to do because you come on the you come to the brink of real physicality or physicality in which things start to really hurt while still just working it enough. A style made popular in a company called UWFI back in the day in Japan. Where guys like a 
a Dan Severin, any of those UFC-style shoot fighters who also knew how to wrestle and spar in a way where it was just believable enough. As a matter of fact, little Guido, James Maritato, used to work in UWFI. I, I wish we could get him on the phone right now. He could really you know, pull back the layers to this and explain how difficult it is. Let's try to get him on. We'll get him on the phone right now. Um, what I saw from Ronda and Shayna was a sparring match. I mean, if this is under MMA rules and these ladies were working an MMA fight, how much more physical do you think it would have been? If it was an MMA fight? Yeah. A lot more physical. So, like, what kind of match did we see? Did we see a pro wrestling match with MMA rules? It was, it was, it was weird. I'll say this being out there, it killed the crowd. That crowd was hot for the first two matches. And then you had the battle Royal with LA Knight. That crowd was super hot. That match brought it down. Now, to be fair, there is this either justified or unjustified hatred for Ronda Rousey. And a lot of that is a reason why it just brought the crowd down. But there were times, it was weird because you talked about that physicality early on. It just wasn't coming across at least to the live crowd at the end. It definitely did. But look at the ramifications for that. Look at what we saw from Shayna Baszler last night with that eye. There were some, there were some, some connections and towards the end of that fight on Saturday night. Now, is that a good thing or a bad thing? I mean, I don't know, but like, it was just, I think it was a recipe for disaster bully. I mean, I'm glad that Shayna got a black eye because at least it made it look credible. A, a work shoot, Dave, means we're going to go in there and we're going to really fight. We're going to really wrestle. We're going to really grapple. We're going to really strike. We're going to really apply holds. But we're not going to do it to the level where I'm going to knock you out or I'm going to break something on you. Am I making sense right now? Are yeah, you understanding I, what I'm saying? See, I looked at it this way, so correct me if Don I'm wrong. Don Fry, Don Fry, um, uh, any of the Gracies who were expert in Brazilian jiu-jitsu knew how to do a work shoot. It's kind of like being able to throw 100 miles an hour and paint the corners. All right, so how much your control you're in over your actual physicality that I can bring you right to the brink where if I put you in a if I put you in a um uh, a hammer lock, Dave, right? Mm -hmm. I'm pushing your arm up your back just enough where you're gonna go out, but not to the point where you're gonna scream. Ow means, okay, I can feel the pain, bully. Screaming means you're breaking my arm. Yeah. To be able to do that an entire match and make it look good, and, and, the, and Japanese fighting sold out arenas based on this work shoot style. I believe, what was the guy, what was the guy who's in AEW now who, who, who gave up, who did so many headbutts that uh, he, he knocked himself oh, out? Is um, that Otani? Otani? No, uh, no, no. Um, 
Oh, geez, why can't I think of his name? Oh, he God, we he just used to do the work shoot style. Yes. God, why can't I think of his name? Uh, God, I can't, I can't, I can't think of his name. Damn it, that's gonna. Um, gonna, uh, the guy with all the wrinkles, uh, Minoru Shibata. Suzuki. Shibata. Shibata knew Shibata. how to do the work shoot style. Yes. Uh, Minoru Suzuki knows how to do the work shoot yeah. style. If I was to guess, I would say Samoa Joe knows how to do that work shoot style. But you have to be really, really good at it to make it believable. I felt like this, and correct me if I'm wrong. I felt like when I was watching that fight, whatever it was, like it wasn't coming across well. First of all, they didn't do it any justice. They should have really pumped it up more, explained the rules going in so that everybody knew exactly what was going on. I think a a big portion of that audience just wasn't connecting, didn't understand it, didn't get the rules. Um, So I don't think that helped. But I felt like like watching it, that it wasn't coming across well. They knew it wasn't coming across well. So towards the end, they were actually connecting with stuff just to make it look good for the audience to get some oohs and ahs from the crowd. That's what it felt like to me. I wouldn't be surprised if whoever was sitting at Gorilla got in the referee's ear and told them, hey, step it up because this just doesn't look right. Neither one of these women are going to want to go out there and embarrass the other women. They're not going to want to expose the other women. But if this was a legit, I would have rather, and I know this is not good for business, but actually it probably is good for business. It's just not good for the individuals. If those women went in there and had an actual MMA match, kind of like what happened with the brawl for all, I probably would have been more interested. I would have been more interested. I don't know if that would have been good. Ultimately. No, it wouldn't have. It's, 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 yeah. it's not good. Yeah. You saw what it did to... You know, you know nobody, neither of those women need to be exposed, especially Shayna if she's sticking around. Well, what they should have done when you look back at it is they should have just had like a submission match where you could have gotten what you got at the end of that match and you could have moved forward. Like it just, it just didn't come across well. And it's, it's unfortunate, Bully, because for whatever reason, the WWE universe hates on Ronda, just does not like Ronda. I don't know why. I, I, I don't either. I, I Listen, I know that this last run wasn't the greatest for Ronda, but it wasn't awful, and I thought her first run was fantastic. Like, like her debut at WrestleMania 34, again, Jim Cornette said it was the greatest debut of all time, and it's hard to argue that. Her being in the main event at WrestleMania 35, that was fantastic for the company. It was fantastic, and it was fantastic for the women's division as well. I, I think a lot of this hate is unjustified. I know we've talked about this before. Honest opinion. Agree or disagree. If Ronda Rousey is not in the three-way main event at WrestleMania 35, do Becky and Charlotte main event at WrestleMania? I, I don't think so, no. Neither do I. As good as Becky, as over as Becky was, and as good as Charlotte is, I don't think they main event without Ronda Rousey in that match. I think it would have been, I think it would have been Kofi and Daniel Bryan for the championship. I think that would have been your main event at WrestleMania 35. And I, I just don't get it. But now it's Shayna. Obviously, Shayna got the thank you chance uh, last night for Monday Night Raw. And I, I thought Shayna did a really good job on Raw last night. As a matter of fact, I thought Shayna really shined 
last night. And and I'll say this, and I don't care if I get hate because it's the truth. I thought Shayna was much better on the microphone last night than Becky Lynch. Becky Lynch does not connect with me one iota on the microphone. I don't know what happened to Becky on the mic, but she does not connect with me. I thought Shayna... I thought Shayna was much better on the microphone than Becky last night. Okay, Dave, you have to give me an answer now. What about Becky is no longer resonating with you? It just doesn't feel like there's any juice or meat to any of her promos. I feel like she's not connecting with the audience, not really even eye contact with the audience. I, I It's just not resonating with me. I'm not investing emotionally with anything she has to say. She's she's not digging in. You know the way that The Miz dug in last night? I don't get that from Becky. And I haven't gotten that from Becky in a while. Get into Trish. Trish was your hero. You love Trish. Get into that. It's just very surface. It's very like old school WWE character driven promo work. It's not emotionally invested promo work. But let's get into that in a little bit because Nunzio is on the line with us right now, little Guido bully. And uh, it's been a while since we had him on. Uh, First and foremost, thanks so much for joining us this morning on such short notice. Appreciate it. I appreciate you guys having me. What's going on? Nuns, it's Bubba. What's going on, brother? Bubba Ray, what's going on? Everything is good, my man. How are you guys doing? Good, good. So we, we were having a talk about Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler and a certain style that they had to work the other night to make the match believable. And I know you used to work for a company in Japan called UWFI, correct? Correct. Can you please explain to our listeners, to our fans, how difficult it is to, to work a believable work shoot style? Okay, so I'll explain. Um, First of all, I was an amateur wrestler in high school, so I had that part down. Uh, When I got the opportunity to go to UWFI, I was wrestling professionally for about two years, learning how to be a professional wrestler, taking bumps and stuff like that. When I got the opportunity to go to work for UWFI, when I went there, the first two weeks of a tryout was 100. I didn't know UWFI at that time, 1995, was work. I had no idea. So when I went there for the tryout, they didn't tell me it was a work. We shot with them. Billy Scott, Gene Leidick, and a few other Japanese guys were just shooting with us. Shooting, kickboxing on our feet. Did nothing to do with the work. So they ended up hiring me. So for two months, they made it sound like, okay, you're going to start going to Japan, and it's a shoot. They made me believe the whole thing was a shoot. So the two months I was training there, we were doing kickboxing on the feet. They had a boxing coach teaching us how to like fight on our feet, box on our feet. And then on the mat, you're doing 100% submission. About three weeks before I go to Japan, they came to me, and I was a nervous wreck because I'm thinking I'm going to Japan and I'm going to be shooting with these guys. And I don't, I'm just learning submission. You know, it has nothing to do with amateur wrestling. And amateur wrestling, the object is not to go more than 45-degree angle. Well, shoot wrestling, the object is, is to go more than 45-degree angle to the moment of break, and that's why you would submit. So I would say maybe a month and a half before, they explained to me that, it is a work. You're going to go there. The match is a work. But they explained to me the match is a shoot all the way up into the finish because they don't want you giving and taking. So put it this way. If the match is supposed to be 10 minutes and Nunzio was going over, if 
the first nine minutes is a shoot. That guy will chew you up and beat the shit out of you until it's time to go home. They told me, they said, you can't take back bumps. They want nothing to look like professional wrestling. So they made the matches, especially for me coming in as an American. The Japanese could work differently because they've been together for so long. But they told me that if you don't defend yourself, he is going to eat you up the whole time. He'll put you over. And they told me, if you're supposed to get knocked out, like on your feet, I'll be fired instantly if I get kicked in the head and take like a flat professional wrestling back bump. You had a, you had, they had to drop you like your face. Like, you know, you get knocked out, guy kicks you in the head and you just drop. So that's the way they taught me. So by the match being a work in the end, making it a shoot the whole way through until I got like custom to working with these guys in the shoot style, it took a while. So that's how I learned how to do it. And that's how a lot of the Americans came in at first. They made them a real shoot in the ring. They wouldn't beat you if you're supposed to go over, but they will eat you up 90% of the match, even if you're supposed to go over, because they don't want it to make it look like or take a chance, especially at that time. The fans were believing it was real. It was coming right off a of pancreas. It was before the UFC, before all that stuff. Shamrock was doing it, and pancreas was a work too. You know, I didn't know that at the time, though. So that's how I got introduced. I don't know if that's helping, but that's how I got introduced. So I almost quit because for the first two months, these guys were masters at that craft. Yeah, I was a captain. I wrestled two in amateur wrestling, but that's nothing when you're wrestling a guy that's just as good as you in amateur wrestling and knows submission from top to bottom. And here's a guy that never did a submission in his life. So that's how I was trained. And that's how a lot of the guys were brought into UWF. And then they used to bring us to the dojo, and if anybody knows this, at 12 o'clock at night because, you know, fans were like, you know, all over the place even at that time. And they didn't want the fans to notice because they used to go to the dojos too and wait outside for the autographs. They didn't want to see people going over finishes or going into the building because it's supposed to be real. So that's how I was trained. I'm not saying that's how everybody else was trained. I did not. I was at the Jersey Shore this weekend. I did not get a chance to see that match. I will check it out, obviously. But I did not get a chance to see it yet. So I don't know if so- that helped that at all, but that's the way I was trained. It does It does help, and what you're explaining is the match is a complete shoot up until the finish. Now, let me ask you this. Let's say you were in the ring and you were able to gain a hammerlock on your opponent. Are you supposed to apply that hammerlock all the way? Because if you do apply that hammerlock all the way and the guy can't get out of it, he might have to tap out. Correct. No, no. If I get the move, in other words, they don't want the other person. I actually have to pretty much get that move on my own to the point where I know I got him, and then it's my job not to submit him. Meaning he's going to time out, Nunes. Time out, Nunes. Get it, Nunes. 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 Time out. So, Dave, do you understand now what I was trying to explain earlier? Okay. So you got to as you have to really be in control and understand how much how much and how little you should be able to do to make it look legit enough for the audience that they think that you are actually trying to break his arm. And then you're so Nunzio, so his, your opponent will feel it and it probably feels some pain, but know that he's safe to know that you're not going to break his arm. Is that right? Correct? And it's my job to make it 100%. And it's my job to know I got him and he knows I got him just like it's the other way around. Cause once you get to a certain point, but as professionals, now you can't break his arm. You know, that, that'll be a whole nother problem, but that's exactly it. Cause they didn't want it to look like a work in order to do that. You have to shoot. But at the same time, at the end, when you know, the guy got you, he knows he got you as a professional, he can't snap your arm. 
And then now you've got to make it work where maybe you give you could give him something or, or give him an open opportunity, but then still fight it in the middle so he's not getting it so it don't look like I gave it to him. So no, you, you did you did not see the match between Ronda and Shayna, right? No, I did not. I did not. Okay. So would you be willing to, after you watch that match, let us know and then come back on and give us your assessment of how you think their style worked for SummerSlam? Yeah, absolutely. Could, absolutely. I, I don't want to put any pressure on you, but could you possibly come on the show uh, Thursday to talk about it? Uh, Thursday. What's today? Tuesday. What am I doing today? Tomorrow. I'm going to Utica tomorrow. I'm bringing my son to school. So Thursday, yes, should work. What time is your show? And the only reason I work every day, so that's why I'm not able to listen to it when it's live. Um, what time are you guys on? 8 to 12, is it? Nine and, nine yeah, 9 to 12. 9 to 12. Yeah, I could, uh, I could do it. Uh, I could call back on uh, Thursday. Maybe right. around, let's say, let's split early probably the better, like 9 o'clock, 9.30 possibly. We'll work it out. And then just so you know, we have an immense amount of respect for Shayna Baszler and for Ronda Rousey. Um, and we were just trying to analyze the type of match. Uh, last week I said that I believe they should have a UWF-style match if they want us to believe that this is an MMA style match which the wwe promoted um right well if that we just want case, we just want your take on how they were able to work the style of the match okay well let me watch it first but i could tell you one thing as soon as if they did this at all as soon as one guy gets to shoot the one girl shoots the other girl to the ropes to try to hit him with a clothesline that i could never do that in uwfi it was right because if, if they're promoting a shoot you're not shooting a guy into a turnbuckle and he's coming off and you're hitting him with an elbow. You know what I mean? Right. I'm not saying they did that. I didn't see the match. But that's a no-no in UWFI because it's supposed to be a straight shoot. So there's no room for professional wrestling. So but I, I will check it out. We could talk about it on Thursday. I, I love it. Thank you so much for taking the time. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you, guys. Bully, I'll right, talk we'll, to you later. We'll Take talk care, Paisan. Appreciate it. We'll talk to him on Thursday because I would love to get his take, like you said, Bully, after watching it what kind of job that they did. Because he's going to look at it, obviously, in a completely different way than the fans or you or I would watch it. And, and even me, he's going to look at it different than me. Like, I, I have, a, I have a, a very small amount of knowledge of that style. And I gave you everything I had about what I knew, which I think is pretty close to what Nunzio said. But when you see the really, like... I'm going to try to find a really good UWFI match. As a matter of fact, I'll probably call Nunes when we're off the air and have him recommend one. See if we can find it on YouTube and post it so we can see what this style looks like when done to perfection. I thought it was very interesting that he was talking about as he was training, he thought and he was trained that it was 100% legit. And that he was going to Japan and he was actually nervous because he was new to it. He was like, he was a little nervous to go out there. Dave, that's how old school pro wrestling was trained back in the day. Johnny Rods didn't smarten you up. All the old school guys never smartened you up. They didn't smarten you up to terminology. They didn't smarten you up to what it was. Sometimes you didn't get smartened up until your first match. And then the only way you got smartened up was once you were in the ring and you felt the other guy work with you. 
That's old school pro wrestling training because that taught you a certain amount of respect for what we do. I get students now who walk in their first day and they're like, and they're using terminology with me. And I'm like, why are you using those words? You never were educated to what those words truly mean. Thus, you should not be using them. Or you'll get guys and gals who shake your hand a certain way. And I'll be like, why are you shaking my hand that way? You don't know what that handshake means. You don't know the origins of the handshake. Now the cat's out of the bag from day one. And that's why this business in some ways is not better than it was back in the day. So that was also the way you got trained old school in pro wrestling. Busted Open is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcast. Catch the full three hours of Busted Open Monday through Saturday at 9 a.m. Eastern on SiriusXM Foundation Channel 156. Go to SiriusXM.com backslash Busted Open Trial to start your free trial today. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.